Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Roughness. You got to score points to win. You can't win without scoring points. Touchdown Raiders! Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. Got to give a big shout-out to my guy Carlos. Got hooked up with a pair of tickets to Power Trip, October 6th, 7th, and 8th at the Empire Polo Club, home of Coachello, going to see three nights. Guns N' Roses, Iron Maiden, ACDC, Ozzy Osbourne, Metallica, and Tool. We are sending him. Carlos is getting hooked up with a pair of tickets. We got plenty more where that came from. But big ups to my guy, Carlos, for getting hooked up with those tickets. Join us now on the phone lines. Talk a little NBA playing uh, tournament action is our good friend Trevor Lane from LakersNation.com. You can find uh, Trevor on Twitter at Trevor underscore Lane. And Trevor, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. We do appreciate you. Before we get into the playing tournament against the Timberwolves, how did the Lakers get here? I thought that they were kind of left for dead when LeBron injured his foot and he was going to be out multiple weeks. I thought, okay, it's a done deal. That's a wrap. Well, here they are. They have an opportunity to make it into the playoffs uh, with this play-in tournament. How did they get here? Yeah, they went on an incredible stretch after the, the trade deadline. They, uh, they won more games than any team in the Western Conference. After the, the trade deadline, they had the best winning percentage, and that allowed them to move up a very, very compact Western Conference. We've seen it's been such a tight race in the West for uh, for the, the entire season that going on any kind of prolonged winning streak was enough to give you some upward mobility in the standings, and that's exactly what happened. They they went from the 13th seed all the way up to the 7th. And we lost Trevor. <laughs> there you go. He was on a he was on a good roll, and then all of a sudden, phones happen. So. Uh, yeah, that's that's the deal. Well, hopefully we're able to get him back. If not, we'll continue to uh, keep the party rolling. It seems like maybe his phone might have died or something, so that could be uh, somewhat problematic. So hopefully we're able to get him back. In the meantime, in between time, I will hit the don'tbebroke.com text line. Jim from Yonkers said, Q, if we stayed at seven, what would we have to give up to get into the end of the first round? A second and a fifth, then take a third and another one of our fifth-round picks to get back into the second? So we'd have two first-round picks one second round pick. Thank you for a great show. Nice to hear Robin is back with Batman. LOL. Jim from Yonkers. That's a good question. That really is. That's a real interesting question on if Dave Ziegler would want to do that. And the reason I say that's interesting is because when I talked to him at the owners meetings in Phoenix, you know, and I talked about having 12 draft picks, he specifically said it would be nice if, if they were in the second and third rounds as opposed to the later rounds. So to me, without me, you know, pointing that out and, and, and making a big deal of what he said, it made me feel like he really preferred to be able to move up and, and navigate through the through the uh, draft, right? Obviously, and I've said it so many times, you don't need 12 draft picks. You just don't, right? You're not going to sign 12 guys. Uh, no matter how many times I go through the mock draft simulator and all of a sudden I have 14 picks and I have 10 for next year or whatever, you know what I mean? That, that's just not realistic. But what is realistic is kind of what Jim from Yonkers is saying is go ahead and take a couple of those picks, package them up, and be selective on who you're getting. Like if you see someone, don't just get back into the end of round one just to do it. But if you see a guy that you're a big fan of, maybe make that move, right? And, and again, I'll just use myself for an example. I think Emmanuel Forbes is a first-round guy. We had Ian Cummings on for Pro Football Network. He has him in his mock draft in round three, which is how big of a difference everyone's visions are and everyone's minds are. Again, I think he's a first-round talent. He was flying under the radar at one point. I think he was a, a round two guy. And all of a sudden now he's in round one because everyone's really you know paying attention to what he was able to do at Mississippi State. I mean, 14 career picks and six pick sixes. You know, and I know that the Raiders need 
defensive line help, interior and and on edge rushers, as far as I'm concerned. But man, if you can have a dude that has that kind of production where he's used to having his hands on the ball, that goes a long way. That'll help out your defensive line. They go hand in hand. I think that'd be big. So for me, I'd target a guy like that at the end of the first round or similar to what Baltimore did with Lamar Jackson when they traded up and got Lamar at number 31 or whenever they got him. But they got him at the at the tail end of round one to get that fifth year option. I could see them doing I could see them doing all that with Hendon Hooker, too. Going back to hardcore Raiders point, you know, if Hendon Hooker's there, why not go get the fifth year option on the quarterback? That makes a lot of sense. So I, there's there's players, but you have to target it. My point is you got to target a guy. Don't just trade back just to trade back, right? You got to be focused in on somebody. And then to do it in the second round too, that would be that would be good. That'd be a nice little bit of production in round two. So uh, we'll get back to that. But Jim and Yonkers, thanks so much for that uh, text. I do appreciate you. Now joining us again on the phone lines is uh, Trevor Lane from LakersNation.com. And Trevor, you were talking about how the Lakers arrived at where they are, and then your phone uh, it, it just said bye on us. So <laughs> so go ahead. We'll let you we'll let you tell you how, tell us how the Lakers got here. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll try this again. Take two. Um, so, the the Lakers they managed to pull off enough moves at the trade deadline that gave them just a competitive roster, and then went on a great run. Uh, the the top team in terms of win percentage in the Western Conference after the trade deadline, and that's what allowed them to move up into the seventh seed, jumped all the way from thirteenth to seventh. It's been an incredible run, and now they've got you know a lot of optimism heading into the postseason. You know, and when it comes to Anthony Davis, I've been one that's been very skeptical because, well, he always gets injured, right? He's, he just has a, a, a you know, that, that tendency to get injured, and when he falls, I always get uncomfortable because I feel like he falls uncomfortably. But he's done a really good job of staying healthy, and even when LeBron was out, doing a good job of, of you know, leading the team. But other guys have stepped up as well. So just for AD's point, I mean, is this one of the best stretches you've seen from him as a Laker so far? Yeah, now he hasn't been consistent on a night-to-night basis. There have been some games where teams have managed to kind of scheme him out of the game or prevented him from getting many touches in the post. And so that's something that the Lakers have to work on. And that's some of that's on AD, some of that's on the coaching staff in terms of getting him to be a bit more aggressive. But overall, big picture, yeah, he's been fantastic in this stretch. Defensively, he's been, been wonderful. He's been the, the top rebounder in the NBA over the course of the season. He won't win the rebounding award because he didn't play enough games, but he's pulling down more rebounds than anybody else per game. He has been absolutely phenomenal, and they need him playing at an MVP caliber level if they're going to get where they want to go. And like you said, though, so much of it depends on health, and I do the same thing. Every time he hits the floor, I'm holding my breath and, <laughs> and just hoping that he gets back up because you just never know. No, you really don't. Again, Trevor Lane is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. So they got the play-in tournament, and Minnesota is up. There's no Gobert, uh, and then also uh, McDonald's is out. He broke his hand being silly, right, hitting the, hitting the wall and broke his hand. So what, how are you feeling about the Lakers' chances in this play-in tournament going up against uh, Minnesota tomorrow? Yeah, I think the Lakers should feel pretty good about their, about their chances against Minnesota. Jay McDaniels is, is huge for them defensively. He does a lot of things, particularly defending a guy like LeBron James, so now you're missing him. And then Gobert gives you more size to throw at Anthony Davis. Some of the advanced metrics suggest the Wolves might be more dangerous without Gobert, but it's a bit of a small sample size. So, you know, the Lakers still need to get out and take care of business, though. Uh, they've got some advantages now, particularly in the paint, now that Gobert is out and with McDaniels out as well. The, the depth on the Wolves simply isn't there. But they still have enough players to be very dangerous. I mean, we just saw they came back against the Pelicans in a game where Brandon Ingram had 42 points. Uh, the, the Wolves still came back, missing Gobert, missing McDaniels. They still came back and, and won the game. So this is still a dangerous team. But the Lakers are the favorites for a reason. As long as they can exploit the weaknesses that the Wolves now have, 
they should be in, in pretty good shape. Talking all things Lakers right now with Trevor Lane here on Raider Nation Radio 920 Unnecessary Roughness. Go ahead, DeMond. Explain the Austin Reeves phenomenon to me. He's awesome! <laughs> <laughs> Austin, Austin has been fantastic, and you've got to look at his efficiency. That's, that's the secret sauce. That's what allows Austin to be, to be the, the player that he's been. He is so efficient shooting the basketball, better than 50% from the field, shoots great from three, hits his free throws, gets to the free throw line a lot. Players who can do those types of things, who can produce that way on the offensive end, they're going to make a big impact, and that's what he's doing. I think right now, as crazy as it is, I mean, we are not even two years uh, removed from Austin being undrafted. Nobody in the top 60 picks took him to now he may be the third most important player on this Lakers team. He has been playing incredible basketball. He's handling the ball well. He's helping them get stops on the defensive end, and, of course, his shooting has become so important. His ability to get to the free-throw line could really loom large in this game against the Wolves, a team that's already lacking depth. If you can put some fouls on a few of these Wolves players, it could get really thin for them really quickly. So Austin could be a big part of that. He's been been phenomenal, such a skilled player, and uh, he's going to get paid this summer. And, and based on what he's doing right now, he deserves it. With D'Angelo Russell, how does he how is he fitting on the court with LeBron and Anthony Davis? Oh, he's he's been great, uh, and you know. Defensively, you knew it wasn't going to be. He's not an all-world defender. He's not close to that, and you knew that going in. That hey, the, the, the defensive side of the ball isn't isn't really his forte. That said, offensively, he's shooting better than forty percent from three. You can't ask for more than that. He's knocking down the open sh- open shots that LeBron and AD are generating for him or or helping him generate. He's passing the ball. He's seamlessly him and Austin. Both of them are very comfortable playing either on or off the ball. So in tandem. You have two guys who, in an instant, can initiate the offense, can be the person orchestrating everything, or can be an off-ball threat and a floor spacer. They both do that extremely well. So on the offensive end, he has been a really, really good fit for a Lakers team that just didn't have much in terms of outside shooting ahead of uh, the trade deadline. He has really been knocking down the three ball, and that's been huge for the Lakers. So I like his long-term fit, too. I think the Lakers have their backcourt of the future right now with Austin and, and D'Angelo Russell. And then when it comes to the playoff seeding in the West, I felt like every team was gunning for the sixth spot because everyone wanted to play the Kings because they feel like that's they ain't easy- been there before. <laughs> they ain't been there before. They ain't got no experience. But with the Lakers in the play-in, what do you think would be the better matchup for them, the Grizzlies or the Nuggets? You know, I think it's still the Grizzlies. Denver, Jokic is just a, he's phenomenal. The Lakers have played well against the Nuggets, and I don't think it, it would be impossible for them to beat them. I think it would be... Uh, a really entertaining series, but you look, you know, Memphis is going to be missing Stephen Adams. They're going to be missing, uh, of course, Brandon Clark, who unfortunately had an, an Achilles injury. So I think that that weakness in the middle, now Jaron Jackson Jr. certainly can fill in and be a big presence there for them, but uh, that's something that I think that the Lakers, particularly with Anthony Davis, can exploit. Uh, stopping John Morant is not going to be easy, but mm-hmm. I think the Nuggets are probably just the, the higher quality team by just a little bit. So I lean towards the Grizzlies in terms of which team I'd prefer to see the Lakers go up against. Uh, it's going to be a battle either way, though. The Grizzlies have been playing really good basketball in the last few weeks, so not not easy regardless of which team you wind up with. If you're take, paying attention right now to the WNBA draft, Aaliyah Boston just went number one overall to the Indiana Fever. I don't think any surprise there. Again, we're talking all things Lakers right now with Trevor Lane from LakersNation.com here on Raider Nation Radio 920. A lot of nations that we're talking around about here. And, uh, Trevor, worst-case scenario, say the Lakers don't get in or don't get out of the play-in tournament. What's next? What do the Lakers do next to turn things around for the franchise? Well, so next, I think that's what the, the brilliant part of their trade deadline moves is, is here is that 
they managed to get players who are all in their mid-20s. You know, you look at Jerry Vanderbilt, just turned 24. D'Lo, D'Angelo Russell, he's 26, 27. Uh, Rui Hachimura is 26. So you've got all of these guys that you've added to the team that are in their 20s. And now, if it doesn't work out this year, you can just hit the ground running next year. We've already seen that this team can be successful with their current setup, and they're in position to keep the majority of the roster. So I think that's the game plan from here, that if the wheels fall off and things just don't quite work out, which you never know in, mm-hmm. in a play situation, one game, who knows what's going to happen. But if it doesn't go your way, you can next season hit the ground running with chemistry. You're not integrating 13 new players like we've seen in previous seasons. You get to have the team from last season carry over. There's going to be some changes uh, around, the, around the margins for sure. But for the most part, they're in position to keep the core of this team together, and I expect that that's what they're going to do based on how well they performed once they got all their pieces in place. Now, I did. I started with the, the bad first, and I wanted to end with the good. So say they get out of the play-in tournament and they're in the playoffs and you know they're, they're able to advance. How far do you think that this unit could go? I mean, they, they look like one of the most dangerous teams in the league when they're clicking. The, the question is, can they click consistently, and do they need to have short series as opposed to longer series? Yeah, I think that they do. You know, this is a team that burned a lot of energy getting to this point. They certainly looked fatigued the last few games of the season. Um, hopefully that was sort of a, uh, a mental fatigue over a physical one that they're going to be locked in uh, starting tomorrow night. But I do think that the ceiling for this team, it's a championship. I mean, I, I wouldn't predict that they're going to win it. I wouldn't call them the favorites, not, not at all. Typically, teams that are thrown together midseason, they don't have the chemistry, the cohesiveness to make that kind of a postseason run. So I'm not saying I'm predicting that. But I think that potential is there. The kind of upside is there for this team uh, if, if things really do click. So it, I wouldn't say it's impossible, particularly in a Western Conference where it doesn't feel like there is that dominant team. I mean, Phoenix, I think, is the favorite to come out. They're mm-hmm. the four seed. So anything can happen, and they've given themselves a, a real chance here to potentially do something historic if they're able to make a finals run. Well, I'll tell you what, NBA playoffs, I get excited about it. I get excited for the play-in tournament just to see who makes it and then see what kind of run they can go on and see if they deserve to be a playoff team to begin with. And so the Lakers square up against the T-Wolves, and that is tomorrow. Well, Trevor, great stuff. Uh, What do you got coming out, LakersNation.com, that we should be on the lookout for? Yeah, we've got all kinds of stuff breaking down the Wolves uh, matchup. We've got that coming out over on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel, youtube.com slash LakersNation. Of course, you can find all of our stuff on our podcast feeds as well over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. And then all of our written work, uh, breaking down all the latest post-game quotes, everything that's been coming out about the team, the latest injury updates, all that, you can find over on LakersNation.com. Great stuff. Great stuff as always, my man. I definitely appreciate you joining us this afternoon. Keep up the good work, and uh, we'll talk soon. Sounds great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you. Trevor Lane, good friend of the show. LakersNation.com. You can find him at Trevor underscore Lane, at Trevor underscore Lane on Twitter. Always bringing everything you need to know when it comes to the Lakers. And I know we have a lot of Laker fans listening here to Raider Nation Radio 920, including Mama Q, who said, that's right, Austin sure is awesome. When he's on the floor, he makes things happen. I love him. So there you go, Damon. No Austin slander on this show because Mama Q will get you. I was just trying to get to the bottom of it, you know. <laughs> I feel like the Lakers always have a role player. Yeah. We've seen Taylor yeah. Horton Tucker. For the, sure. It was like, we're not trading him for nothing. Right. And, Aust- <laughs> and uh, Alex Caruso. It's just that one Laker role player. Where you know like, what? It's funny. I think that they really miss Caruso, though. I think that that was a player that they, if they could do it over again, they'd be like, yeah, we're going to hold on to that guy. But Austin is 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 good. I like him. I like yeah, he had player. a YouTube video on the NBA put out like Austin Reeves highlights. Like, yeah, well, has he done enough <laughs> to even rack up the minutes for a YouTube highlight video? He always gets hit pretty hard. 
Uh, it's always some kind of like either hard foul or something. It looks like he's always getting banged up, but he's just one of those players. He's one of those players that if he's on your team, you love him. If he's on the opposite team, you hate him because you look at him and think he shouldn't be that good, but he's really sticking good, so you probably underestimate him, right? And you know going in, like, this guy's good. I got to guard him. I got to be on it because he's going to do something. He's going to out-rebound me. He's going to out-do something, and he does it, and you know that, but he's just annoying if he's on the opposite team. But, yeah, Austin Reeves is a good little player for the Lakers. 416 is the time. We'll come back, get back to your calls and your text, 702-365-9200. And, of course, the don'tbebroke.com text line, 69187, keyword R&R. Top three options. What do you want the Raiders to do at the top, right? Give us plan A, plan B, and plan C. We know what plan D is. Don't do it. That's what D stands for. It's Raider Nation Radio 920. Now back to unnecessary business with your boy Q. Many thanks to Trevor Lane from LakersNation.com. Join us to talk all things Lakers as they're into the play-in tournament. They have the Minnesota Timberwolves who do not have a full roster tomorrow. So we'll see what the Lakers can do. But I got to give them a lot of credit for getting to where they were. I thought they were done. When LeBron went down, I was like, it's a wrap. Even before that, they started the season 2-10. and 10. <laughs> Right, right. They just did not look good at all. But like I said, here they are. So I got to give them a lot of credit for that. If you're keeping up on the WNBA draft, the Minnesota Lynx selected Diamond Miller with the number two pick overall. Uh, she was from Maryland, 19.7 points per game, 6.4 rebounds per game, and 2.9 assists per game. I'm paying attention to the WNBA draft because it's on here in the studio, and I realized that I don't think the Aces have a pick till like, round three. <laughs> so I don't, I don't think that the Aces are going to be getting any pick anytime soon, but it, it is great to see these young ladies get their opportunity to take their talent to the next level. And uh, someone that I'm a, of a big fan of, Alexis Morris, who's uh, at LSU, and LSU just won the title with under Kim, Coach Kim Mulkey. She's actually going to be in this. Uh, she is in this draft, so I'm excited to see where she goes as well. She's had a tough road to, to, to climb and travel down. A lot of it's her own fault. But she, uh, she's had a tough road to climb, so I'm interested to see where she goes in this upcoming draft. Coming up around 4.30, uh, we'll hear from Matt Miller. Uh, he was on my ESPN radio show on Saturday on game day, and we were talking all things NFL draft. And, again, I like attacking all angles of the upcoming draft. And, of course, I want to hear from you as well at 702-365-9200 and our don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword r And you've got to have a plan. That's the key to this. You've got to have a plan when you go into the draft. I've gone through a bunch of these little simulators, and just because I get stumped and, and tripped up in it doesn't mean that you know a GM's going to, but I, it just makes me realize that you have to have multiple plans when you, when you go into these type of things. So I threw it out there to you, and I would love to hear from you. What is your plan? What are the top three options you think the Raiders should have going into the top of the draft, right? What's plan A? What's plan B? And what's plan C? Plan D is what we talked about on Friday, and that was don't do it. Don't do this. Don't do that. And DeMond, there was a lot of don't draft an offensive lineman at seven. Don't draft, obviously, a wide receiver. Some people hit me up about a linebacker, and I don't think a linebacker at seven is, 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 a, good, is a good pick. I just don't. I don't think that this linebacker class is deep enough to get a first-round linebacker. That's me. I think a linebacker should be had probably in round two if you're going to start there. I think the Raiders need to address it, but I don't think they need to address it immediately. So uh, for me – it would not be go linebacker early in the draft. Now, I guess if you trade back multiple times and you said, okay, I'll go get this linebacker because I feel like he's the best player, cool, but I just don't see a linebacker there at, at uh, early in the draft. The most surprising thing there is nobody that people were saying don't take an offensive lineman. All we ever hear about this team is they've got to improve the offensive line. So was it more, hey, the defense is way more important than the offense, or yeah. are people just not that high on the offensive lineman in this draft? I think it's a combination of the both, but most people just really want the defense addressed, and, and for good reason, right? It's been so long 
You know, we'll always have someone that'll that'll tweet at us and tell us the exact amount of years that it's been, but it's been a long time, right? I mean, since the Raiders have had a real quality defense that other teams were concerned about. Right now, they're not. They're concerned about Max. That's it. You know, I was asked earlier today when I was on uh, the press box with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff, you know, do you think Chandler Jones is going to have a bounce-back season and get back to double-digit sacks? No. You know, and I, I'm not trying to be that guy. I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but why would, what, what would tell me that he's going to have a bounce-back year and, and get to 10 sacks? He could, but if I said, yes, I think he will, I feel like that that's just me putting on my silver and black glasses and thinking that everything is rainbows and puppy dogs, and I don't, I don't live in that world. It'd have to be you'd have to see it on the field because even last exactly. year training camp where you coming back, hey, Chandler Jones looked good out there. I'll always remember, hey, he destroyed Alex Leatherwood's he did. confidence. He put him out the league. I don't even know if he's in the league anymore, but he put him out. And then when it came time for games, all we ever heard is hey, he, but he's great in the locker room. Yep, yep, exactly. So I, I mean, I, I would I root for Chandler Jones. I think he's a good guy. Uh, he is a good leader, as everyone, Max Crosby, Nate Hobbs, uh, many different players. Right? I mean, everyone will tell you. How, how, how much he's needed in that locker room, but they also need to have that production on the field. When it all boils down to it, they need to get – I mean, they signed him to a free agent contract to go in and, and get sacks, get to the quarterback, get pressures, get hurries, get hits, right? Not just to be a great guy in the locker room in practice. You know, I mean, and, and, I don't, and I'm not trying to take anything away from that and say that there's, you know, a problem with being that guy, but you've got to be both, right? I mean, like, you could be a great guy in the hallway and do a lot of great work behind the scenes, but if you get in here and you ain't worth a damn, then what – you know – what are we doing here? Yeah, got to live up to that contract. <laughs> right, exactly, yeah. exactly. The, the con- role they need him to play isn't to be the Udonis Haslam role. Right, exactly. <laughs> shout out to shout out to you. He's a good dude. But right, he don't. They didn't pay him for that role, right? Yeah, exactly. So we throw that out there to you. What is your options? What is your plan? What is your A, B, and C when it comes to the draft for the silver and black? Sir Whiskey Ray, hit us up at six nine one eight seven keyword R and R. We encourage you to do the same. Q and D, loving today's topic. My top three options as followed. And I'm not trading up or back. I'm staying at seven. Number one, quarterback Witherspoon. If he's not there, then my number two is cornerback Gonzalez. And my number three option is take the offensive line kid from Northwestern. I'm sticking to my guns and going with someone who will immediately help this team by starting day one with our Raiders. I feel confident with any three of these picks at number seven. Just keeping it real here. Damon, welcome back because I really missed, missed you even though I was ripping you for taking a vacation. <laughs> $1 stakes. <laughs> That's... <laughs> That's from Sir Whiskey Ray right there. Everyone everyone had a little bit of fun with you while you were gone. I'll tell you that. I'm going to have to try to go back and listen to some of the things that were said now. Yeah, you should. $1 stakes. I mean, there were no— Oh, that was brought up multiple times. That was brought up multiple times. Yeah, that's true. Because we were talking about you went to L.A. and Miami, and we're like, well, he's probably eating— uh... I didn't go to L.A. Oh, okay. Well, you went to Miami. <laughs> yeah. All right. Where else did you go? You went somewhere else first. I went to Tennessee. Tennessee, L.A., same thing. I wish. Oh, <laughs> man, yeah, Tennessee. <laughs> Actually, I would think Tennessee is a little bit more fun. We know what you're going to get in L.A. Tennessee is a little different. Well, yeah, it, it is more fun to me because I don't like L.A. to begin with. But, you know, well, there, there, you were, there were no dollar stakes. I like to go to Tennessee. Nashville was great for the draft. I thought it was fantastic. It was awesome. There were no dollar stakes eating on this vacation, let me tell you that. Well, there you go. Good. I'm glad, you, <laughs> I'm glad you've graduated. I'm glad we could teach you a little something, something. That's good. That's really good. Uh, let's see. Who else do we get? We got another text from... Da, 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 da. Here we go. Um, this is from the 253. Plan A for me is Bryce or Stroud available at three. Trade up for either. Plan B, stay at seven. Choose Witherspoon. Plan C, trade back with the Eagles. Seven for 10, 38 for 30, and maybe later pick uh, for the best defensive player at 10 and Hooker at 30 if available, not defensive tackle at 30. There you go. 
So a bunch of different options right there. So that's that that uh that works out right there. So you go you're going uh quarterback if there's available at three, either Bryce Young or CJ Stroud, makes sense. With a spoon at seven, or trade back with the Eagles, get pick 10, 38, and then for 30 and maybe later, pick the best defensive player at 10 and hooker at 30 if if available. If not, defensive tackle at 30. There you go. So uh good stuff right there from the two. Uh, two five three is that it? Yep, two five three. We definitely appreciate that text rate again. And I think there's a, a big theme when it comes to the defense, as it should be. The defense has to be addressed, and I do, I believe it will be. You know, they've got 12 draft picks, and I think the, for the majority of them, they're going to go to the defensive side of things. Seven zero two three six five nine two hundred. Who we got up, Demont? Lester from the Bay. Lester, welcome to the show. What up, fellas? Q Demont. Just want to jump in on this one. Um, I think a when I look at it, you know, a. I, I, just me personally, you know, I I'd love to see Anthony Richardson be a Raider. Okay. Um, if they if the a, a if they could trade up and it's a, the right price, get up to number three, get Richardson, and not too heavy of a price, then you get him, sit a year or two, obviously behind Jimmy Garoppolo and learn, get him in for certain you know plays and situations, right, and also just draft you know pretty much defense after that. Um, I think option B would be to stay where we're at, look at. A couple of players that they fall to seven. You got plenty of players. You got Christian Gonzalez. You got Witherspoon, Ty Wilson, maybe Harder. You got to do your due diligence, obviously, on him, right? Um, I'm big on Van S. I've called you guys before on Van S. Nolan Smith. So you got some football players that are going to be there at seven. And option C, I'm thinking looking at trading down if the price is right. You don't have to trade too far down. Maybe about five or six spots if you think some of those players that I just mentioned may still be on the board, and you can still pick up an extra second or third round pick, right? Yep. So those are my different options. Uh, on the Hunnian Hooker situation, I don't think he's going to be there, guys. I think some team at the end of the first round is going to take advantage of that fifth-year option like the Minnesota Vikings, and they're going to snatch him mm-hmm. at the end of the first round to take advantage of that fifth-year option. So I don't think he's going to be there in the second round. I mean, I'd be very surprised if he falls to the Raiders uh, you know, with our first, second-round pick. But those are my options, guys. I'm out. Hey, great call, Lester. It's good to hear from you. And, yeah, with Hendon Hooker, I, I think the same thing. And I think it makes sense. Right, it's not like we're just saying, "Oh, uh, he's going to get the, some picked in the first round." Because no, I mean it makes sense. He's coming off a torn ACL. He's probably not going to get any burn this year, which is okay, right? Uh, he's a little bit older. I don't care about the age, but it also gives him time to learn the NFL game. Because again, what concerns me about Hendon Hooker is the offense he's coming from. So if you can get that fifth year option, the opportunity to have that fifth year option, you know, you you know you have that extra year if need be with him. He can redshirt this year, and that's fine. You have Jimmy G. And this is obviously in the Raiders scenario. You have Brian Hoyer, which I know nobody's fired up about, but he's a backup quarterback. I'm not going to sit here and argue about a backup quarterback for a few minutes. I actually had someone hit me on Twitter. I went back and forth about five times, and I was like, look, dude, it's a backup quarterback, man. I'm, I'm really not going to waste all my time on a backup quarterback. Was he high on Brian Hoyer? What, what, no, he was, was mad. The- he was mad that the Raiders took Brian Hoyer. And I was like, look, it's, it's a backup quarterback. He's a coach on the field. He's a guy who might not even dress, depending on who the Raiders select. He might just literally be a guy that's a scout team quarterback. Or, you know, a guy that, that just prepares whatever young young quarterback comes into the mix so Jimmy G can focus in on, I don't know, the weekly game plan and maybe Brian Hoyer can coach a kid up. Like, it's not someone I'm going to waste a whole lot of breath on. He's a backup quarterback, fine. Everyone got excited, including myself, when Marcus Mariota got signed because you're going to see the Mariota package. And that worked about five times, right? And then one game against the Chargers that they lost. That's what we saw out of Marcus Mariota. That was it. So, okay, they went with the high-priced backup quarterback. Didn't work out. Now they're going with a guy who's familiar with the scheme. So be it. That's it. I don't care. It's a backup quarterback. If you see him in the game, you're in trouble anyway. 
<laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, bottom line, it's like a substitute teacher. No disrespect, but you know that the, the sub's in, the, 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 there's a backup, the, the, the original's out for a reason. Yeah, I don't think anybody is getting hyped up for Brian Hoyer, no, no matter no matter the team. Right. It's not. A, it's look. I, I guarantee you, if the Raiders, if Jimmy G goes down and the Raiders draft anybody as a backup quarterback, like uh, or, or a potential quarterback of the future, if even if they were get someone like DTR, right, Dorian Thompson Robinson, if they get Hendon Hooker and he's healthy, which I don't think he would be, but you know, any guy, Tanner McKee, right, Jake Hayner, there'll be more people calling for those guys to, to play. Than, than Brian Hoyer, but at least there's a guy there that can help coach him up, right? And I'm not saying that they get the start, but at least there's guys there that be familiar that can help coach them up, and so there's that. So I didn't, I didn't really get too up in arms about a backup quarterback. I just wasn't, wasn't feeling that. So uh, there's, there's that, but good call, Lester. We definitely appreciate you. You can keep those calls coming. You can keep those texts coming at 69187, keyword R&R, and, of course, 702-365-9200. Let's get up one real quick from the five and dime. Uh, if trading up to three, let's see. This is, looks like a, oh yeah. If trading up to three, one A Rich, that's Anthony Richardson. One B CJ Stroud. If at seven, one A Gonzalez. One B Witherspoon. Won't be mad with any of these picks. Raiders really need defense, but that's why I think they'll trade up for quarterback. And because they got Jimmy G, I think that they'll like what they have and they'll have time to work on mechanics. With Richardson, that's from the five one zero. Definitely appreciate that text. Four thirty four is the time. Keep those texts coming. Keep those calls coming. Plus, you'll hear a little bit of draft breakdown from Matt Miller from ESPN. You'll hear it next as we close out the show. It's Radio Nation Radio nine twenty. It's unnecessary roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Got this one from the two three nine on our don'tbebroke.com text line. Option one, trade up to three and grab either Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, or Will Anderson. Interesting. I don't. I just don't see. I heard uh, Vinny talking about that earlier today, Demond, and I, I just don't see them trading up for a defensive player. I just think they got too many needs, too many holes, too many holes. And even if he is an impact player, you got to think about the rest of the field, especially on that defense. Where how much are you trading up for number three? And then if you give away those draft picks right. that you can't get back. It just doesn't make that much sense to trade to do all that for a defensive player. I don't think so. And and I know he's an impact player. Will Anderson's fantastic. Don't get me wrong, but I just think it's too much to give up. You know what I mean? For a defensive player, uh, it's it's one thing to give him up for a, a quarterback. You might not be able to get another one of those guys, but you mentioned it. Will Anderson is really good. I think Tyree Wilson can be really good as well. Because even if he is good, let's say Will Anderson goes on to have a great career, but if he's a pro bowler, if he's getting 10 sacks, those 10 sacks aren't going to matter if you can't cover anybody. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, again, the the defensive line and cornerbacks, they all go hand in hand. I just it just to me it doesn't feel like they need to give up, you know, pick what, 770 and maybe a a 2024 first rounder to trade up a couple spots to get a defensive player. But that's just me. That was option number 1 from this text in the 239. Option 2, with a Spooner Gonzalez. And option 3, trade back and get the best offensive lineman then focus on D in rounds 2 through 4 and also grab Jack, Jake Hayner in the fourth round. So trade back, get the best O-lineman, then focus on D in rounds two and four. Okay, I can see that in collecting a little bit more draft picks. When I did that mock draft on the Locked On Network, I traded back from seven to ten. I I picked up uh, pick number 62, and I also picked up a, a pick in 2024. So I thought I'd – and I still got the player that I was, I was really targeting. Uh, and I did have about two or three players that I was looking at, but I did uh, get the number one that I was targeting at number uh, – I was thinking at number seven, ended up getting at number ten. So I felt pretty comfortable – with that. So there's definitely a bunch of different options that you can have. Uh, also, 
Uh, Jim from Yonkers hit us back up and said, uh, at some point you need to draft a tight end. Would the tight end from Georgia be there in the second? Thank you. And that's uh, Washington, Darnell Washington, that he's talking about, the Las Vegas native. And, man, I mean, ever since we've seen the size of that dude, and especially when I saw him at the Combine, I was like, man, that would be a really good pickup for the Raiders because he could serve two purposes. He could be a tight end, but he also could serve as a sixth offensive lineman. Yeah, but for me, I just don't think he's there in the second round. I know that Ian had him going. He's a, I don't know if he's a first-round guy. He's he's big, he's strong, but his his production, I don't. it doesn't scream first-round to me. I think he's one of those guys where a team, not to say get tricked, but mm-hmm. they're going to fall in love with him that, with the we can make him that guy. Yeah. We can coach him up. We, he's got all the measurables. I think that he's going to be a first-round pick, but maybe that's just me believing in him too much. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that he could be, that he could be there in the second. But I'm saying if you're going through your draft – I wouldn't see that. I wouldn't if they're doing. You know, you're bored. I don't think he's a guy. Oh yeah, we, we can we can try to get him in second. Plan on him not being there in the second. But if he is, that'd be a great pickup. I like it. I like it. That's good stuff right there. Good stuff. So keep those texts coming. Six nine one eight seven keyword R and R. And of course, you can always call us at seven zero two three six five ninety two hundred. I did want to get into a few sound bites from Matt Miller uh, from uh, from ESPN. He was on my radio show on game day. Uh, on Saturday morning, it was a lot of fun having Matt on just to talk about a few different prospects. And we'll start with the quarterback prospects. And I started off talking about Will Levis because on this very show, Will Levis was a very hot subject when this whole draft process started. I mean, to the point where people were angry. If we didn't like Will Levis, we were going to hell. What about his GPA? I mean, everything, dog. We heard everything, right? We were the we were the worst people ever if we weren't Will Levis fans. Now, all of a sudden, it's quiet. It's crickets. So... I asked Matt Miller up top, you know, why is everything starting to slow down when it comes to the conversation around Will Levis? I think, too, it's a lot of, you know, what we were hearing at the Combine where Levis did not acquit himself well in the interviews, which we know how how important those are. And I think when you go back to the last two years of Kentucky, through 23 interceptions, uh, sack rate was through the roof. And you can make the argument of, man, he didn't have much around him. Neither did Bryce Young. And I think people are forgetting just how bad Alabama was this past year in that like, Kentucky might have an offensive player, as many offensive players drafted as Alabama does this year. It's, it's Bryce Young. It's Jameer Gibbs, Tyler Steen. I mean, it, this is not your normal Alabama offense. They were not loaded with draft prospects this year. So I think with Levis, what we're seeing is, yeah, there's traits there. There's the arm talent. There's good athleticism, but the decision-making, you know, was, tight and tense at times and then you have a player who's uh, reportedly according to nfl teams he's interviewing tight tense that i think that's where people start to start to worry a little bit when you also have a quarterback like anthony richardson who has traits for days and is also a little bit cool calm collected as a quarterback there's matt miller from espn again talking about will levis and you know it's 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 funny how it kind of goes demon it goes in waves everyone was real hot on Will Levis at one point, now it's cooled off. And, you know, Matt's talking about combine interviews and interviews with teams. And, you know, he was just with the Raiders last week. You know, he met with them on Monday. Bryce Young was in on Thursday. Anthony Richardson was in on Friday. Hendon Hooker is going to be in this week. C.J. Stroud is going to be in this week with the Raiders. So they're doing their due diligence on all the quarterbacks. But it's not a good sign if Will Levis is not at least interviewing well with the teams. For me, I know that we're not going to get this information until later about what maybe could be going wrong for him in these interviews. But do you think he's suffering a little bit from overconfidence? Well, we always Maybe. say with players, hey, you want, a, you want a guy that believes right. in himself? 
But I, but some of his comments was like, I've got a cannon and people mm-hmm. are going to see it. Uh, maybe he's like the guy that's like, hey, pump the brakes a little bit. You know, it's funny that you say that because I've actually done that before. I've gone and had an interview, and we, you know me. I'm cooler than the other side of the pillow, especially in my own brain, right? I think that I'm, you know, the man. I went in to an interview not for a radio job but for a, a, another job, and I just thought that I had the job in the bag, so I went in there like I was the Fonz, man. I was like, hey, you know, like I was the coolest dude. I had my suit on and everything, had my chain on. I was looking good, and – Man, those folks told my mom and dad, like, yeah, he didn't do well in that interview. (laughs) He just didn't do it. He just didn't cut it. So sometimes you go in and you have a little bit too much confidence and you don't get it done. Now, luckily for me, I didn't get it done because I probably would have done another job that I didn't want to do. And so, but at the same time, it's like you have to take all these things seriously. And if you don't, sometimes you can fail. Now, one guy who's climbing up the boards right now, Damon, is Hendon Hooker. Last week, at the end of last week, we were hearing he's the number three quarterback, right? All of a sudden it was... C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, whatever d- d- direction you want to put those, one, two. Then Hendon Hooker, then Anthony Richardson and Will Levis. So I asked Matt Miller about it and, and actually a follow-up as well. Just thoughts on Hendon Hooker. Well, I think this time of year, it all goes back to the tape. You know, like we can – I know I just referenced the combine interview with Levis, but yeah. as teams start to set their boards, you're putting the whole puzzle together. And 90% of that puzzle is your tape. Hendon Hooker threw five interceptions the last two years. I mean, he has the best touchdown-to-interception ratio of any quarterback in this draft. Uh, He was successful at Virginia Tech. He was successful at Tennessee. And I think there's also that even the way that Richardson and Levis are, I believe, artificially being put into the top five, they're not top five players in this draft. They'll be selected there because of the quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. Same thing goes for Hendon Hooker. He's probably not a top 31 player in this class, but is it possible he's selected there? Absolutely, because there are so many teams that do need a quarterback, whether it's the Minnesota Vikings or could it be the Baltimore Ravens? Could we see a Detroit or a Seattle trade back and start to think about the future? I think that's where Hendon fits in. Is It's not because he's a top 20 or 25 player in this class. It's because of the position he plays and how desperate teams are to find that next guy. Sticking with Hendon Hooker, and I know you mentioned he had success at Virginia Tech, but how concerning is it for teams because he is coming out of that Josh Heupel offense there at Tennessee, which is very similar to, you know, Bryles at Baylor when it was uh, basketball on grass? Yeah, you have to factor it in, and I think that's, you know, what my job is and the same that area scouts and college scouting directors are doing for NFL teams is you have to pull the traits out of the system. Uh, I would say you got to do the same thing for C.J. Stroud at Ohio State. you got to pull the player out of the system and and say, okay, what are your individual talents? What are you good at? I see Hendon Hooker as an elite deep ball thrower. Uh, he's great at making quick decisions, which that up-tempo spread makes you do. you got to make quick decisions. Sure, he's not making full field reads, but he's doing enough pre-snap to get his guys in the right situation and to determine, hey, where am I going to go? Coverage looks like this. Here's my matchup. Boom, we're going there. So I I almost think he's been underrated in terms of his readiness and his NFL traits because the scheme is so good. Um, You know, Joe Burrow had a hell of a scheme and a lot of talent around about LSU. Joe Burrow is still a great player. He's a top three quarterback in the NFL. I'm not saying Hendon's going to be a top three quarterback in the NFL, but there are examples and precedents where you got a really good player in a really good scheme with really good talent around him. They can still become very, very good NFL quarterbacks. There's Matt Miller from ESPN. I'm sure Hardcore Raider, his ears perked up right there when he's talking about Hendon Hooker. And, look, that's the argument to, to be said about, you know, the offense that I'm questioning is, okay, well, look at all these quarterbacks. Look at the talent C.J. Stroud had around him. Most of the time throughout Bryce Young's career at Alabama, he had plenty of great talent around him, right? There's other quarterbacks. Like you mentioned, Joe Burrow had all the talent in the world. You see what his wide receivers are doing in the league right now. <laughs> Those LSU guys, they're killing it. 
So he had plenty of talent around him. So he brings up a great point. So when people like myself start questioning Hendon Hooker in the offense that he's coming out of, there's examples right there that Matt Miller brings up that says, no, actually, this is why this guy's going to be better. So, again, going back to what a hardcore Raider said earlier about him, there's going to be draft analysts that say, yeah, we missed on this guy or we, we evaluated him too low. I thought a good point that Matt Miller brought up was he's not a top three guy, not a top five guy in the draft, right, as far as player, just, just their value and, and how good they are as far as everyone in the draft. But he's going to get selected high because he's a quarterback. And that's that's the point right there where it's these these guys are going to get taken high because they are quarterbacks. So for me with Hendon Hooker, is a team going to try to creep in that end of the first round to try to pick him? Right. Maybe they do, and you mentioned that fifth-year option that you get when you take somebody in the first round, but I don't think he's worth it. We're, we're placing too high of a, you know importance on the quarterback a little bit too much for me because Hendon Hooker, the season that he had, factor in the age, coming off of the injury, he's a second- to third-round pick. Ooh. Come on, coming in strong with the second to third, okay. But when you need a quarterback, you're still you're gonna you're gonna bite on it. So I I well, don't. And the league didn't bite on it last year. Yeah, right? they didn't. They the, only took no. Pickett in the in round one, and really a lot would argue that you probably could have waited a little bit for him. Yeah, for me, Hendon Hooker, he's a guy that, as you know, like you said, it comes in waves with this whole mm-hmm. draft cycle because we have so much time. If you'd have told me last year before the injury, why not take him in the first round? But now that we're getting closer to the draft, I'm I'm thinking. Yeah, second, third round pick. Okay. I'm not as in love with him as I was, you know, even as soon as the season was over. I like it. I like it again. DeMond coming strong with it on Unnecessary Roughness here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Robin Oakland hit us up on the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187 keyword r I'd embrace the mindset of low bust potential. Stay away from trading up for anyone unless Dave Ziegler thinks Will Anderson is a special uh, Super Bowl piece. Two, stand pat at number seven. Take the highest defensive player at D-line or cornerback to come in and contribute immediately. Three, use the lowest draft picks to maneuver into the second and third rounds for undervalued positions like offensive line, linebacker, and even running back for special teams in depth. Four, depending on what has happened and what the board looks like in the fifth and seventh rounds, trade away the leftover low picks for higher picks in 2024 to acquire more team-building assets. Rob in Oakland bringing it right there. I like it. Good stuff. Good stuff. And, and especially that, that number four, trading away those fifth and seventh round picks, if you can get into 2024 at all. And that's kind of what my mindset was when I was on the Pro Football Network's uh, mock draft simulator. I was like, man, if I can also get some good players here and build up the the draft pick number that the Raiders will have in 2024, then I'm killing two birds with one stone. Problem is, I think I killed too many birds, right? <laughs> I think I looked up and was like, damn, there ain't no more birds. <laughs> because also with this draft, it's 12 picks, right? Yep. Yeah, so with 12 picks, I think that they're going to be more aggressive and try to trade up because everybody likes to say, hey, trade back, trade back. But you can't be left holding all these draft picks at right. the end of the draft. Yeah, and I've said that before. At some point, you've got to tra- you got to make a pick, right? I mean, it's great to trade back and collect as many picks as possible. But at some point, you got to select somebody, right? I mean, great. So you've got 25 at-bats. Are you ever going to go swing it? Right, I mean, are you ever going to go up there? So that that's something that you have to do. So again, I, I got a little, uh, I got a little squirrely, and I, I think I traded back a few too many times. I could have probably cut out a couple of them, but man, all these teams kept saying, "Hey, we'll give you this, we'll give you that," and I was like, "Well, Dave Ziegler, I'm your right hand man. I got you covered." Now, this next soundbite from Matt Miller, I think you'll really appreciate, Demond. I, th- I thought of you as soon as the question was asked, and I didn't ask the question. It was actually my co-host on game day with me on Saturday asked the question about Anthony Richardson, and he asked it. In a weird, in a, in a kind of a weird way, but a very respectful way, and he said, "Will the selection of Anthony Richardson cost somebody their job?" 
he will cost them on their job, but <laughs> it might be because they passed on him. So, yes, mm. but this might be a – like Patrick Mahomes, when he was coming out, there was a lot of, man, if you take this guy, he can cost you your job. And he did. He cost Ryan Pace his job in Chicago because he didn't take Mahomes. <laughs> he took Mitch Trubisky. So, uh, yes, I do think when Richardson – I think – I honestly think like Anthony Richardson is one of the most like wrongly discussed players in this year's class because you know it's all about the mechanics for me and the fact that he's only started 13 games. He had a scheme change in between his sophomore and junior season, a dramatic scheme change at that. Uh, only started 13 games, threw fewer than 400 passes. We don't know who he is yet as a quarterback. I don't think he even knows who he is as a quarterback yet because we haven't seen a lot of reps, but. From an athletic standpoint, he is the most gifted player measured ever at the NFL scouting combine at that position, ever. Better than Ken Newton, better than Dante Culpepper, better than anybody, anybody. He's better than them. And so I think it is, to me, it's fair to say, like, okay, well, Josh Allen coming out was this supersized athletic quarterback that needed work. He needed to, to improve his mechanics. Uh, that's I, I think it's fair to make that comparison now. What people forget about Josh Allen is he is one of the most instinctive, intelligent quarterbacks in the NFL. And so he has worked his tail off to become the Josh Allen we see now. So I think the question is, can Anthony Richardson get to a situation where he has the culture around him to do that? For all of Josh's credit, and he deserves a lot of it, I mean, he's in a great system. Brandon Bean is one of the best general managers in football. You know, you have Brian Dable. Yeah, Ken Dorsey. You got Joe Brady. Like they've they've made an effort to surround him with people who understand the quarterback position. So my hope is that Anthony Richardson goes more similarly that he has those guys in place. You know, if he goes more with a defensive head coach that's like, hey, let's roll with this. You're just going to go be Superman. I don't think that's the best thing for his development. There you go, Matt Miller from ESPN. Again, he was a guest on Game Day on Saturday, and he was. Uh, giving us these nuggets right here on these different draft prospects. We also talked about Emmanuel Forbes. We also talked about B. John Robinson, but we'll get to those on another day at another time. Uh, but you heard his thoughts on Anthony Richardson, Damon. He will cost somebody his job because somebody's not going to select him, similar to what he was saying about Patrick Mahomes. And, you know, they, they, they decided to make the move for Mitchell Trubisky in, in early in round one and traded up to go get Mitchell Trubisky, and obviously that didn't work out, and Patrick Mahomes is shining in Kansas City. So he's kind of putting that uh, in the same kind of light as, as that situation. So I don't know if it's going to be quite like that, but for everything that Matt just said is why that, that Anthony Richardson little person on my shoulder is still there whispering in my ear saying, I'm the pick, I'm the pick, I'm the pick, similar to what I told Kay Adams earlier today. He's the, for me, he's the guy. He, he, he is your draft number one. If the Panther, if the Panthers do it, I would be not shocked. I'd be like, "Hey, good on them." But he's he's your number one for the Raiders. Oh yeah, there's no doubt. If he's there at seven, why not? He might not even be there at number seven. He might be there at three, and you're willing to trade up for him. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Tamon is all the way in. Mailman Raiders said on the, the our don'tbebroke.com text line, "Sounds like Hendon Hooker may take that DC half love him, half hate him approach." Uh, that's true. It could very well happen, and I hope nobody has to deal with that situation. I hope that whoever the Raiders select, Raider Nation could get behind, right? Just get behind them. I think that anyone who's rocking the silver and black jersey, you should get behind. That's your team, right? That's your it's your coaching staff. That's your front office. That's I mean, man, <laughs> I just want to see this team win, get to where they need to be, and have that commitment to excellence again. So if you're wearing the jersey, I don't care if it's DeMond or me, I'm pulling for them. 
It's just that simple. Sir Whiskey Ray said, Q&D, I absolutely love our chances of postseason uh, and go and chase another ring. Talking about the L.A. Lakers. Thanks, Sir Whiskey Ray. We appreciate you. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow, same time. Make sure you're waking up with the morning tailgate, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. here on Radio Nation Radio 920.